0: This is Matt. I'm the lead pastor of Westminster Baptist Church. Thanks for engaging God's word with us. Uh, my prayer for you is that this would be supplemental to your discipleship journey. Uh, if we can connect you with a local church or discipleship group, uh, please contact us at info at And we are continuing in our series what would Jesus do? Uh, a modern look at this, and uh, watching how, as we recognize sin in our life, repent from that sin and return to God, re-envision glory and what heaven would look like on earth, repattern our minds around that heaven, uh, refocus our hearts to love the Creator and to enjoy His creation under what He wants for us. That that will overflow into uh, good works and good fruit in our lives. It's not until we get to this point that we can even talk about good fruit. good works in our life. Otherwise, it starts to become legalistic, like if I do these things, then I will be good enough. Uh, If I can... Uh, just do enough for God to look at me and see me as clean or whole or, or worthy, then maybe God will bring me into heaven, into his eternity forever. Maybe there's a few steps that I can take to be able to accomplish um, what God wants for me, and then he'll see me as good enough. But the reality is we have to go into the depths of our hearts, see the wickedness that's there, the thoughts and the actions that we've done, repent from those things and return to God. And that process of returning to God is not easy. It's not uh, sometimes the most um, uh, uh, easy things to hear, most enjoyable things to go through. Uh, It's sometimes going so deep into the wickedness in our heart that we uh, we struggle with despair and we struggle with those things. And it's only God bringing us out of those that we start to get towards the point where we're starting to overflow with good works that we go, okay, I get why you took me through that because there's a point in your life where you've got to get there to say, God, I can't do anything without you. It's as soon as we think that we can do everything without him that we start doing things that we shouldn't have done, right? Without God, we can do nothing good, but with God, we can do all things that are good because under God's power and strength and wisdom, we can overcome the things of this world. And so what I want you to remember walking away today is that when our hearts are falling more in love with God, passionate, our emotions are affixed to the Christ, to the Son of God, when our hearts are towards God and our mind is being repatterned around God's kingdom, it becomes an overflow of our heart to do good works and good fruit. If you're struggling with sin today or temptation today, if you feel like you are failing in sin or flailing around in temptation, I want you to turn your eyes upon Jesus who died on the cross that the Spirit might be poured out in your heart. And when the power of the Spirit is in your heart, you are able to overcome sin, Satan, and death in this world. We are victorious. So how do we live according to the Word of God By His Spirit, we obey His words and we follow His actions. The main thing I want you to walk away is by the Spirit, we will obey Jesus' words and follow His actions. And it's got to be in that order. It's by the Spirit that we live. It's by the Spirit that we obey. And it's by the Spirit that we will one day raise from the dead and live with God for eternity. Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. A good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, and on the other hand, a bad tree doesn't produce good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs aren't gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil uh, person produces evil out of the evil stored up in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. This is simple instruction from Jesus. He looks around and sees agriculture and farmers, and he takes an illustration for us to help us understand. Now, a lot of times in Scripture, it's easy to understand, hard to apply, or hard to understand, easy to apply. This one's one of those ones that's so easy to understand, but it's sometimes so hard to apply. We know that out of a good tree produces good fruit. If you've got a rotten tree, dead tree, it's not going to produce fruit. But a good tree produces good fruit. And so now all of a sudden we have to look in our hearts and go, okay, if we're producing wicked things, if our life is surrounded by vile things and evil things around us, if we see uh, destruction in relationships uh, and, and temptation that turns into sin that we continue to do what is wrong and, and not overcoming, we start to see, okay, well if Jesus is telling us that when those bad fruit are evident, when, that, when those bad works are evident in our life, it's actually a heart issue, then now we've got to realize we have a heart issue. That's not as easy as recognizing that, okay, man, if I just got to fix this small action and things are good, the truth is that action was produced by a heart issue that's just going to manifest itself in a different way even if you fix the action. One addiction to another addiction to another addiction is not solving a heart problem. It's just shifting your idol. We can't pass gods around in our heart thinking we've overcome one god to shift to another god. And so what we look at is our hearts. And so when Jesus says a good, tree doesn't, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit, we have to look at our lives and say, okay, if we're producing bad fruit, then maybe we just have a bad heart. And this isn't a bad place to be. This is a good place to be. It feels like a bad place to be. It feels like a, 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 a struggling place to be. It feels like a frustrating place to be to recognize that we have wicked hearts and evil hearts. But it's only in those moments that we recognize how desperately we need the grace and mercy of God. It's not enough for us to say, let me be who I want to be. It's not enough for, me, for us to say, hey, just let me do my life alone. I can figure this thing out. We weren't created as individuals. We were created as, uh, 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 to be corporate, to help one another. We need help. We need one another. I need you to help me and I need my brothers around me to help me. I need my wife around me to support and encourage me, but also to tell me where I'm slipping up and messing up and need to get back on track. You see, when a good, produce, a good tree produces bad fruit, or sorry, a good tree can't produce bad fruit. And so we need people to set, show us that bad fruit so we can recognize, man, maybe our heart's wicked and turn to the one who can transform our hearts. You see from at the end of this, it says, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Recognizing sin repenting and returning to god re-envisioning glory repatterning the mind and refocusing the heart is going to lead you to an overflow in actions a good person produces good out of the good stored up in his heart what is in your heart if you want to train your actions you got to look at your heart we talked about it for the past two weeks i want you to move forward with me look at verse 46 why do you call me lord lord and don't do the things i say I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The river crashed against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the destruction of that house was great." It's another simple passage to understand. If you're wondering today, what do I do? How do I follow God's word? How do I understand what God wants for me? These are such simple passages. Deep foundations lead to good works. Shallow foundations lead to shallow, evil, wicked works. You see, a house with a firm foundation is unshakable, but a house without a foundation is going to collapse. It will fail. So build a deep foundation in your life, a deep well in your life. You know, when you're walking through your life, And you have a question come up, or you have a thought come up. And we talk about this. Take things captive. Captive. If you want to re-envision glory, if you want to repattern your mind, you have a thought come up that shouldn't be in your mind, you don't want to dwell on it or meditate on it, take it captive. Uh, Put it in a prison. Kick it out. All right? We're done with that thought. But then you replace it. What are you replacing it with? That's the question. If you're taking thoughts captive, you've got to replace it with something else. Detox, Replace. Fill your life with something. If you've got a deep foundation, you fill it up with God's word. If you've got a shallow foundation, you won't have the depth of God's word to fulfill and fill up what has been kicked out. We need to replace with God's word, not just kick out wicked things. Right? Repattern mind. Refocus heart. Now, as we do this, God's word becomes like a well overflowing in our hearts, Jesus tells us. A living well, a spring, a well that would continue to overflow towards others and to yourself in grace and mercy. And so we are digging deep foundations, digging as if we're going down to a well. If you dig deep and you don't find water, you're not going to overflow with water. If you dig deep, find water, you're going to overflow with water. What are you digging deep into? What is your mind digging deep into? If if it's empty and void and wicked, you're going to overflow with empty, void, wicked thoughts. Your questions are going to be answered by evil, wicked things. But if you're digging deep into God's Word, if you're meditating on God's Word daily, if you're studying God's Word, then when questions come up, you're going to answer it with God's Word. When thoughts come up, you're going to fill it with God's Word. Have a deep foundation in your life. Because this world is going to come after you. This world is going to attack you. The question is, will you collapse or will you be unshakable? Because the kingdom of God, as Hebrews tells us, is an unshakable kingdom. Galatians 5, verse 16 through 26. And as you turn there, man, Jesus sets us up so well for Galatians 5 here. It's like, man, you see these things and and we're supposed to follow after these things and we're supposed to produce good fruit and we're supposed to have a deep foundation. And I don't know if you're like me, but we see those things and we're like, well, God, I want to have a deep foundation and God, I want to produce good fruit, but my heart is not always in alignment with what I want. I don't always do what I want to do and I sometimes don't do what I want to do, right? as Romans 7 says. But we live a victorious life, a Romans 8 kind of life, a Galatians 5 kind of life. And what does that kind of life look like? It doesn't look like failure and failing. It does not look like you are defeated. Let me show you what it looks like. Verse 16, I say, then walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing. And if anybody feels like they don't have anything in there, it says, and anything similar, which is just a catch-all. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. We got to take a couple steps back, y'all. We got to go to Ezekiel in our minds. And when we go to Ezekiel, which is the Old Testament, pre Christ, when we go back to Ezekiel, you'll see this truth. If you do the law, if you obey the law, you will live. If you don't follow the law, and you disobey the law, you will die. All right? Ezekiel in a nutshell. Do the law, live. Don't do the law, uh, die. And you get to chapter 31. I'm serious. You get to chapter 31, and the Israelites are like, well, we can't do it then, God. And we're just all going to die. I'm serious. They get to that point. And it's, it's like right there where I'm like, oh, okay, that's us too, Right? like we recognize sin, we repent from sin, and we're in this constant battle with sin, and we're like, God, I can't do this alone. If you ever feel like you got everything worked out, and you can do it alone, and you feel like, man, I've got, I've been overcoming sin, I've got this, I can do it. That's that moment where you go, wow, okay, Uh, not only are there's like 20 things in here, but it says at the end, and anything similar, and you're like, okay, now what, God? What idol did I shift out for another idol? Where's my heart? Just enveloped in anger or hatred or jealousy or envy or carousing or anything similar. And we start going, okay, God, I am not whole and I'm not perfect and I need you to keep working on me. And that's exactly where Ezekiel is finds us in a place where we go, man, I can't obey this law, therefore I can't live. So what am I going to do? Just die, God? Are you just done with me? And then he sends his son, Jesus Christ, to live the life we couldn't live. Die the death we should have died and raised from the dead because we couldn't and now we can in the power of Jesus Christ and the Spirit working in our life. The same Spirit, the Romans 1 says, raised Jesus from the dead, is in you, living in you. That's why Galatians 4 says this. It says, Uh, We cry out, Abba, Father. That means, uh, my God, my God, my Father, my my good Father, the one who loves me has now adopted me as children. Sons and daughters, a proclamation that we saw in the baptism when the Spirit descends upon Jesus and he says, "Uh, uh, this is my son who I'm well pleased. Well, when we are baptized, the Spirit's descending into our hearts and crying out, these are my sons and daughters because they've been adopted into the family. And if you are adopted into the family, sons and daughters of God, the Spirit is alive and working. And you raising you up from death into life then what can you not accomplish in that power and strength what can you not accomplish think about it look at verse 16 I say then walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Somebody in this room is sitting here thinking like you're going to fail, you're going to be a you're going to be worthless. Somebody's going to find you out, somebody's going to discover your struggle. Somebody uh, your your spouse, your friend, your coworker, you feel like you can't overcome, you feel like you're done, defeated, you feel like death is upon you. You're like the Israelites that say, "Well, if I don't do the law then I'm going to die." God, I feel like I'm going to die. You feel like you're in all those different spaces and then all of a sudden the gospel hits you smack in the face and says it doesn't matter what you did, it's what Jesus did. It doesn't doesn't matter about the lack of your faith because Jesus had perfect faith. And it doesn't matter what you've done because Jesus Christ has covered you with his blood to forgive you of all sin. Now let you live in freedom and poured out the spirit in your life that you might live in freedom and righteousness. It's not about what you've done. Now, if that's true, if that's true, then look at the scripture. Look at what the passage says. Walk by the spirit and you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh. Ezekiel says this, that if you live by the Spirit, and if you live by uh, obedience to law, then you will live. And now Galatians comes back and he says, if you live and walk by the Spirit, then you will have life. You will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. Skip down to verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. In uh, 2020, uh, fall 2020, I was preaching through Ezekiel 36 and 37, and there's a promise there for the Israelites. You see chapter, really chapter like 11 through 31, they're like, okay God we can't do this his presence departs in chapters one through four God's presence leaves the temple and they're like hey without your presence we can't do anything God you see through chapters 11 through 31 they're just like living in death they never can be obedient they're living in death and then you get to chapters 35 through 37 36 and 37 and it's this promise of the Holy Spirit that's going to be that's going to come it's going to be poured out in our hearts and 36 and 37 says that, that, that dry bones will come to life, that our warriors will raise up, that our army's gonna be raised up for God, that they're gonna be overcoming sin, Satan, and death because the spirit has been poured out in their heart. That's why when you get to Galatians chapter four and it says the spirit has been poured out in you, it's, it's because it's the fulfillment of what the Israelites didn't have. They didn't have the presence of God with them, much less in them. You have the presence of God with you and in you. And so when we walk by the spirit, we have the power of God working in us. It's not enough, I've, I've said this throughout this series, it's not enough for us to sit here and act like uh, we don't have God's presence in our life. Working in our heart to overcome sin, Satan, and death, it's not enough for us to think that uh, we, we are going to live in sin and it's going to overcome us and we're going to continually be characterized by sin. That's not the gospel. 1 John 5 says we're not going to live in continual sin. You see it right here, you will not certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. It's not going to overcome you. You might fall, you might struggle, You're going to wrestle, but it's not going to characterize your life. Romans 6, the same passage that we get from death to life, the baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, those first verses 1 through 10 is the same spot that says that you are no longer slaves to sin. We're not slaves to sin. Sin doesn't control you anymore. Jesus broke the bond to sin. He broke the, the slavery to sin. We are free now in Christ Jesus and can overcome with victory. And I think somebody needs to hear that today. I think the reason what you need to hear that today and I need to hear that today is because if we don't believe that Jesus can overcome sin when he is promised that he overcomes sin, Satan, and death, then if we don't believe he overcame sin, then how can we believe that he's going to overcome death? There's no hope in that. If you believe that Jesus is going to overcome death one day and you're going to be raised to live in eternity with God forever, then you have to also believe that Jesus is going to overcome sin as well. Now, the big fancy word for it is inaugurated ex- eschatology. I don't know if you want to say that. Why why don't we say it together? One, two, three. Inaugurated eschatology. Hey, that was good. All right? Uh, It's a big term, a fancy term. It's okay. You don't have to know it. Here's what you need to know. God's kingdom is alive today. The heaven has been poured out today. We are not waiting for something to happen. It has happened, and we are drawing near to it. That's 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 what Jesus promised. It's why when we pray, we pray what? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven on earth, as it is in heaven. What does heaven look like for you today? Come on, church. What does heaven look like for you today? Because today, you will certainly not carry out the desire of the flesh because the Spirit is living victoriously in your life. Today, we're going to walk in step with the Spirit because we are alive by the Spirit. And today, we're going to draw nearer to Christ than we've ever been in our entire life Because the Spirit is working in us to draw us near to Christ. Heaven is here. What does it look like for you to live in light of that? You see, I hope that when you recognize sin, you will find a forgiving Savior. I hope that every time you see sin in your life, you're going to look back at the forgiving Savior who forgives you. As far as east is from the west... There is no sin that can draw you away from Christ to the point where you return into death and evil and wickedness and can't come back. He's too strong. He's holding you in his hand. Look at John, 10 to, uh, John chapter 10. He's too strong. I hope that when you recognize sin, you will find a forgiving Savior. And I hope that when you repent and return to Jesus from that sin, that you will find Jesus far greater than the world. I hope that when you re-envision glory in heaven, you will see a freedom that you never knew possible. And I hope that when you repattern your mind, you will think about the goodness of heaven rather than the evil of this world. That your mind will be so set. Every question and every thought will be filled by the scripture because you have a deep foundation, an overflowing well that your mouth produces actions because there is a deep well that you are coming from and God's word is being poured out in your heart and in your mind. And I hope that when you refocus your heart, then when you fall so deeply in love with your Creator, your emotions and your passions and your wills are all in alignment with what the Creator wants for you. And as you fall deeply in love with Him, that everything you do will bring glory back to Him. Because that is exactly where we find retraining actions. It's exactly where we find like, hey, we can do things. We can produce good fruit. We can produce good work. If you haven't gone through all of that process, when you get to good works, it is legalism. But when you've gone through all of that, you get to the point where you go, just like the Israelites, God, I can't obey your law. I need your Spirit in my life. And for the rest of your life, you are dependent solely by, on walking by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, keeping in step with the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And when you believe that, retraining actions make sense. It makes sense because we are so dependent upon the strength of God, the wisdom of God, and the protection of God that we cannot change our actions without God's Spirit living and moving in us. I mean, we get to this point as Christians and we start to go, okay, it, literally everything is God's work in us. Amen? Like, every, God's doing every, you like, you have the Word of God because the Spirit of God spoke it to you. you not only did the Spirit of God write it through authors. It's God-breathed. We have God's Word because the Spirit spoke it through authors. The only way we can understand God's Word is the Spirit uh, uh, helps us to understand it. It's called illumination. Turn the lights off. It's dark. Turn them on. You can see. The Spirit helps us to see God's Word. It wrote it. It helps us to understand it and then move forward. The Spirit reveals sin in our life. Move forward more. The Spirit's the only thing that can do good works in our life. And all of a sudden, in our lives, we have to go from beginning to end. The process of overcoming sin is nothing I've done. From forgiveness to freedom, it's all Jesus' work in our lives being poured out through the Holy Spirit in us. And all glory to God for what He's doing. So I hope this morning, you'll know three things. First, you'll recognize the Spirit in your life. You'll receive and recognize the Spirit in your life. Maybe somebody in here today has never believed in Jesus Christ. You've never believed that He is your Savior and that He's your Lord. That He has lived the life we couldn't live, died the death we should have died, and raised from the dead because we can't. You've never believed that before. If you believe that today, I believe that God's Spirit will be poured out in your heart and a victory and a freedom that you've never experienced before will be yours because Christ has given it to you, as Emily said. It's a gift from God. I think somebody this morning this morning, has not recognized that the Spirit is already in them. You've believed in Jesus Christ. You just didn't recognize that what we were doing was quenching the Spirit or trying to let the Spirit not work in our life. You need to recognize today the Spirit's alive and moving in you. That the God of the universe, the Creator who spoke and the world began, the Creator who breathed life into you in the beginning, the Creator who could think about every cell in your body, that Creator is in you. It is a, as I said, garbage. It's a sham. It's ridiculous to think that if the creator of the universe is living in you, you can't overcome sin, Satan, and death. Because it's not your power. It's the power of the creator. And so that leads us straight into the second. Walk by the Spirit. What does it mean to walk by the Spirit? I want you to pray for three things. It's passivity. All right? Sometimes passivity is good when you know that the person who is holding you up is stronger than you. If you trust God, if you believe in the Lord then you know that he's better than you, greater than you. His ways are better than you. It's all about passivity. God, you work in my life because I can't do what I need to do. I need you. So pray these th- three things. Pray that God would, you, would give you wisdom to understand what is good and evil. Pray that God would give you strength to do what is good. And pray that God would give you protection from the evil one. Three things, simple to remember, simple prayer, pray it every morning, pray it throughout your day, and meditate on it often. James tells us God will give us wisdom. So let's pray for it. God, give me wisdom to know what is good and evil. God, give me strength to do what is good. Paul tells us that we have strength. 1 Corinthians 12 says when we are weak, he is made strong. We need strength. And third, we pray for protection from the evil one. Jesus, uh, Jesus gives us the pattern of how to pray for this. Not only that, y'all, don't forget this, man. John 17, Jesus prays that, that, that the Father would leave us here. I've mentioned that before, that God would leave us, the Father would leave us here, but protect us from the evil one. Jesus prayed specifically for you, that God would protect you from evil. So would we pray for wisdom, pray for strength, pray for protection, and finally produce good works? You may see, this may seem so counter, counterintuitive and like against what I've been preaching to do good works, but when everything is in alignment, when you're relying on the Spirit, the good works are going to come. All I'd ask for you is just not to stop what the Spirit is doing in you. You know what I'm saying? Just don't work against the Spirit. And even then, we are you, am I right, John? Well, even then, we got to pray, Spirit, uh, uh, work in us to not prevent you from working in our lives. Sometimes that's our prayer. Like, Spirit, give me the desire to, to do what is right. Maybe you need a prayer warrior this morning. Maybe you need somebody like Miss Jen over here, our prayer warrior at the church, to pray for you. Maybe you need to be around people who are doing good works. I want to give you three, three, or sorry, four uh, uh, actual things you can do. Practical things you can do this week as the band comes up. I want to give you four practical things you can do. First, put yourself in a position where you see the forgiveness and freedom of God on display. Put yourself in a position where you see the freedom and forgiveness of God on display. Have you ever been like in your life, like you do something and you're like, whoa, I would have never done that 10 years ago. Y'all with me? Has there ever been a time where you're just like, you did something, and you're like, God, like I don't even understand how, I've, I've done this from the stage. I'm, if I'm just being honest with you, like I don't think there's certain things, Glenn, I don't know if you're with me on this one, like I preach and then I go, whoa, like I should not have been able to preach that. Like 10 years ago, I don't think I could have preached that. And you start to look at, look at the, I'm just being honest in front of you. And you start looking at things you're preaching today and you're going, man, thank, like, praise God that he's done that work in me. Not me praise God that he's done that. I hope that one day you stand up in front of people and you start teaching them about like, anger, and you're like, man, I used to struggle with anger, and, and now God's changed me and transformed me, not because of anything I've done, but because the God of the universe has worked in me, I can talk about this. You know what that points you to? It doesn't point you to anything good you've done. It points you to the freedom and forgiveness of God, the Spirit working in your life. Put yourself out there. like Risk some things. Put yourself in a position where patience is difficult. Right? And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, God, you did that, not me. It allows for you to give glory to God, but it also helps you to see freedom and forgiveness in your life. And sometimes we need to see victories. Are you all with me on this? Sometimes we need to see victories because when we see a victory, we can go fight another battle. When you don't see victories, you lose hope. Like, man, if I don't see enough victories, I don't think I can go any further. I I need something encouraging before I can face this difficulty. And you look back at victories and you say, then that God's freedom and forgiveness allows me to move forward and to fight this battle. Do things that remind you of the freedom and forgiveness of Jesus, and it will spur you on, and it will overflow. When you see the freedom and forgiveness of Jesus Christ at work in your life, you know what you do with others? Extend forgiveness and freedom to them. Man, keep it on repeat. Put it on repeat in your mind. Second, I want you to build a deep foundation. Meditate and study God's word. Build that deep foundation because when a question comes up in your mind, is the first thing you do think about God's word or is the first thing you do think about answers from from the world? When our our deep well is the world's knowledge, then it's naturally going to overflow into our questions. But when our deep well is God's word, it's going to naturally overflow into our questions. I hope that when you take thoughts captive, you replace them with God's word. But if you're going to do that, you've got to know God's word. It's a miracle that we have God's word. It's a miracle. Do you understand how many copies we have of God's word? Compared to Shakespeare's works, it's unbelievable that every single political uh, uh, kingdom was trying to burn the Bible and destroy it and yet we have more copies of the Bible than any first century work. Unbelievable. It's a miracle of God. Do you cherish God's word like that? Come on, church. Do you cherish God's word like that? Meditating on it, studying it, loving and appreciating it. For what it is, it's God that created the universe's words to his people. And third, spend time with doers of the word. Man, there's nothing like being around people who are victorious. You want to see God's work? Man, look at people who God's working in and ask them the question, what's going on in your life? I used to see you like this, and now you're like this. I don't understand what is happening. And they're going to point you back to God. If if God's working in their life, they're going to point you back to God, and then you're going to go, okay, if God can do that in them, I can fight again. If God can do that again, I, I'm just going to keep relying on him because God did it in them. I'm going to watch what he does, it in, me, does it in me. Surround yourself with doers of the word. James tells us not to just be hearers, but doers. Surround yourself with people who are doing what the word of God calls us to do by the power of the spirit in their life. And then finally, it's super practical, and I've already said it some, somewhat. Pray for wisdom, strength, and protection. Would you like put that, like put a reminder in your phone, uh, join in together with somebody in this room and just say, hey, can we pray for wisdom, strength, and protection continually throughout this week? Because when your actions are evil and wicked, it's because it's an overflow from an evil and wicked heart. And I don't want you to come in this room to hear that you're evil and wicked. I want you to come in this room hearing that despite you being evil and wicked, Jesus still loves you. And he died for you. And he raised from the dead for you. And church, he did that not so that you could sit in a seat feeling like a sinner, but that you could raise up feeling like a saint when we didn't deserve it. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be over here and I want to encourage you I'd love to talk to you. Pastor Glenn's in here as well. We'd love to talk to you. Ms. Jen's right here. She'll pray for you. We are here for you and we want to talk to you. If you want to make a step forward, be baptized, follow, in Je- follow Jesus Christ, believe in Jesus Christ for the first time, or you've got a specific temptation you can't overcome and you just need prayer in the spirit, we will pray for you. Let me pray for you all right now. God, I pray that you would move in our hearts, convict us of things we haven't done that we should have, things we did that we should have done and compel us to do what you've called us to do. May you uh, give us the strength to walk by your spirit. Give us the desire and the passion even to make that step forward. And I pray, God, that as you work in our hearts, we will not try to stop or quench, but rather we would submit. Help us to be passive to your authority and leadership in our life submitting to whatever you have for us. God, work in our hearts. We trust you and we love you in your son's name. Amen.
1: We thought
0: Well, church, remember the baptism is the beginning of your journey, not the end. It's where we start pursuing after Christ, not the end and the culmination. So, Emily and Sarah, I wanted to give you God's word in uh, written form uh, as you continue on in your journey towards Christ. I don't know which one's yours, uh, so you might have to swap based on what's written in there. Um, but we're so excited for you as a church to come around you guys and to continue to disciple you in our young adult ministry. We'll be with you six hours tonight as we study God's word and excited about that too. So church, uh, remember you're sitting in the midst of darkness to light it up. We hope you have a great week. Hey, Emily and Sarah are going to be with me at the back. If you want to come by and just say a word uh, to them in encouragement, uh, why don't y'all come join me and uh, we'll let you guys speak over them. All right, hope you have a great week. If you have any questions about the sermon or would like to know more about following after Jesus, uh, please contact us and we would love to talk more about your relationship with Christ and how you can grow in your spiritual journey.